Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hugo Girl, hello and welcome to <laughs> Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is Eric Halloween. And my name is Jeremy the Butcher. Hello. You know, for a, uh, a guy who co-hosts a podcast about... Uh, Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. I just said his last name like really weird in what, the intro. <laughs> you did. I said I I said like Scorsese or Scorsese. something. Scorsese. That's like yeah. a pirate would say it that way. Yeah. You have been um, doing a lot of uh, boat stuff lately. Oh yeah. Are you entering I'm into, into boat your stuff. Are you entering into your pirate era? Jeremy, uh, I couldn't hear you over the sound of me swabbing the poop deck over uh, here. Okay. And to me, see, that's a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, not, you're also not able to see the parrot that I have. I have one <laughs> parrot on each shoulder. Right, right. I wasn't sure which, which shoulder the, uh, the pirate parrot is supposed to go on, so I just got both bases covered. Just well, and one's an angel parrot, one's a devil parrot, so... Right, yeah, one of them is dead, and the other one is wearing, <laughs> is holding a little tiny uh, p- plastic pitchfork. Right. <laughs> well, we finally made it to our funny people episode, Jeremy. Yeah, right, yeah. Man, I thought about um, watching funny people for this episode, oh, and I probably great. should have. Yeah. Would have been but, funny. Uh, yeah. If you, if you did not hear our Funny People episode, I accidentally watched Hugo. <laughs> so um, I had no idea what Jeremy was talking about. And, uh, <laughs> very confused. So Jeremy, we're, we're, this is a podcast about Martin Scorsese, uh, Adam Sandler. We're working our way through chronologically. Uh, however, this isn't the only podcast we do, is it? No, Eric, that that would be incorrect if you were to assume that. We we do another podcast. It is on patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, where we do basically cover a bunch of supplemental materials, uh, other films, uh, uh, television shows. Sometimes we'll do lists. It's we're kind of all over the place, but I you know, I like to say we really let our hair down over there at the Patreon. We really tend to let loose, kind of uh, shake a leg a little bit. Um uh, would, oh, you yeah. agree, would you agree with that? I, I, my leg is tired from how all the shaking it's doing after we record one of those episodes. I'll tell you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all that, uh, great bonus content that you so crave. Um, Jeremy, (laughs) we are (laughs) talking about Hugo. Um, I mentioned, I think I mentioned on the Michael Chow episode, uh, that I, during a long flight one time, uh, took Ambien, had never taken it before, and did not <laughs> fall asleep. And oh, what happens great. when you take Ambien and don't fall asleep is you uh, are crazy. Like, you <laughs> are, like, straight up borderline hallucinating. And uh, I could not fall asleep. 
Right. And I watched, I, on the Michael Chow episode, I mentioned that I ended up watching The Artist with right. no sound on. <laughs> not realizing that there was supposed to be sound. Um, and I also watched uh, Hugo. So my first time, yeah. my first time watching Hugo was uh, under the Im- influence of, of Ambien, thousands of feet in the air. Uh, so what a trip, man! I, I just wish, I wish I could have, I wish I could have taken a uh, walk in your shoes that day, just be completely tripping balls, just watching all these <laughs> movies. Here's how whacked out I was. My recollection of Hugo is that it's an animated movie. Yeah, I know you said that too in uh, on the podcast, I believe. And, yeah, it's uh, not. It's not at all. <laughs> but I'd never seen it, so I just believed you. I was like, "Oh, I guess it's uh, going to be an animated movie." Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I also thought uh, eight. I also watched Eight Crazy Nights and thought it was a live action. Yeah, which one do you think would uh, would you do? You, would you like either of these to be different? Like, would you like Eight Crazy Nights to be a, uh, a live action? Would you like this to be animated? Or do you think they, they're good the way they are? <laughs> you know, um, if, if, if it was live action, if Eight Crazy Nights was live action, we wouldn't get so much of the hilarious bit of... Um, yeah. Torturing the old guy. Short yeah. old man getting <laughs> yeah. ridiculed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't get the uh, old man gets stuck in a porter potty and has to fall down a hill. Yeah, and yeah. that'd be that'd be a shame to lose. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, okay, good point. So you said this is your first time watching uh, the Hugo movie. First time watching Hugo. Tell me how I did. <laughs> well, uh, were you facing the screen? Uh, for some of it, yeah. Okay, you're doing all right, I guess. <laughs> Were you listening to it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I only had my ear earbuds in listening to a podcast for some of it. I'm gonna say that you probably didn't do it, didn't, didn't do it totally right, but uh, I, I for did, I kid, I, I, I watched it. I watched this movie. Well, Jeremy, before we dive in, I got to say, not to plug the Patreon again, but I woke up this morning. Mm. Fall is in the air, my dude. I don't know what it's like over there in uh, freaking Cuba where you're living. Right. But (laughs) fall is in the air in the Midwest, and it it feels good. It feels spooky. Um, Right. It's funny how like a little shot of that fresh, cool air. Will just make mm. you think about Michael Myers and yeah, it'll Jason. Yeah, scare you to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I screamed immediately when I woke up. Yes, um, yeah. but it, it's it's not it's, um, quite uh, there yet here in Cuba. It is uh, absolutely freaking hot as the gym, you know, as as it possibly could be. Um, so mm. I envy you, my dude. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you for envying me, Jeremy. I appreciate right. that, and yeah. uh, I hope all of our listeners do too. Um, but all this is to say, Jeremy, is we've got my favorite time of the year for the Patreon. We're we're going to be doing we're doing uh, summer horror movies now. But October, we always do our Hubie Halloween episode. We always do horror movies. Uh, you know, Christmas time. You know, we're covering Xmas films. Oh, yeah. So uh, get on over there. It's going to be a great time. Sometimes we even do Christmas horror films. Oh, yeah. Ever heard of Krampus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have. (laughs) 
see computer glitch. Computers are on the fritz today, my yeah. man. All good though. Um, so you were asking me about the marketing and promotional materials of Hugo. Yes. I see. Okay, I remember it being um, clearly marketed for kids, and uh, uh, they weren't. I don't know if they. I don't know. I don't remember them leaning or how hard they leaned into the Scorsese aspect of it. Like, this is a Scorsese movie for kids. But I, uh, I definitely knew that at the time because I was really, you know, I was reading like, you know, slash film and, um, you know, other like. I was I was into movies back then, so I I mean I I remember being kind of hip to this, but then for whatever reason I just didn't see it at all. Mm. So yeah, I I uh, I kind of wanted to, but I heard it was in 3D. This is a little bit uh, during the Avatar hangover, where I didn't really want to see a movie in 3D. <laughs> um, right. So I think from the jump, this movie had a couple things working against it in in, in terms of getting me to the theater. But I don't. But like. I remember also looking at the trailers and not liking the look of it, too. Like, thinking it didn't look like something I'd want to watch. I don't know. But uh, what was your experience, though, around 2011 when this came out? Yeah, I remember the promotional stuff. Um, I remember seeing a preview for it in 3D. Um, You know, seeing them on the the clock tower. And, uh, yeah, I... I I think at this point in time, like I had seen a bunch of Scorsese's, but I wasn't like, uh, you know, I got to see everything he does kind of a person. Um, I don't even know if I knew. I was thinking while I was watching this movie, uh, like if I had seen this, if I just like turned on the TV and this movie was on and there was nothing better else happen, nothing else better playing, I would watch it and then at the credits when it says Scorsese directed it, I'd be like, what? Because mm-hmm. I, I, watching this movie, I you can't tell. <laughs> like, I can't tell. I would not be able to tell you if I didn't know ahead of time no, that this is a Scorsese movie. The uh, Knowing that it is a Scorsese movie in retrospect, you can kind of see exactly what he finds interesting about this movie. Right. But I don't think I could have guessed it there's no way I could have guessed it from like the look or the, you know, the presentation necessarily. I think it, um, but like the fact that it's about film in general is like kind of a, kind of a giveaway. And, uh, the cast too, like Ray Winstone from the departed and Ben Kingsley from shutter Island. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. uh, Emily Mortimer, another shutter Island person. Um. Yeah, that that like he was using those, you know, these folks um during that time, during that period. Now, if Leonardo DiCaprio was in it, <laughs> I think I think I would have uh, had a better shot at guessing. Um, if I yeah. didn't know <laughs> it was a Scorsese movie. What if uh would you know that this was a Scorsese movie if Robert De Niro in the trailer was saying uh. You talking to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to a that clock. might that might be a <laughs> that might be a, a you ticking to me giveaway. Yeah, you ticking to me? You clock? <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. angry at a clock. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's. Uh, I, I definitely think this movie is crazy, uh, but I, uh, you know, not to spoil all of my thoughts about it, but 
I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think I like it very yeah. much. But uh, I do think it's it's interesting and and really nuts that this movie came out. Um, what do you think about the idea of these big time filmmakers trying to crack the code of what makes a good kids movie work? Like, would you want to see a Paul Thomas Anderson kids movie? Um. Yeah, I guess. But I'd rather <laughs> we get so few PTAs where I'm like, ah, do do just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Scorsese, I mean, he's done you know so much at this point where I don't know. I I see I see the idea of behind it. Like I, I I get the appeal of it, or like why you would why an established director would want to try and do like a family movie or something. But I think they're usually not that great. Um, so I don't know. Uh, kids movies in general are not that great? No, like when a director, like this movie, I don't think is that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of another example of like a big director. Hey, well, I mean, when Sandler does like kids movies, like bedtime stories. Oh, right. Not a very good movie. I One of my thoughts I had during this was like, Scorsese is so old making this movie that what he again what he finds interesting is not what kids are going to find interesting like did you know what i mean like all of this stuff about george uh milies and making all of those like experimental like films in france like with the big moon mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the illusionist guy like that's interesting to him because Scorsese is like a, a film nerd, but I don't know if that's super interesting to kids watching it. I don't know if they're going like, Oh wow. I'm learning so much about turn of the century cinema right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me you weren't watching that, uh, you know, um, thing of the, with the moon getting with the moon with a can in its eye or whatever, that old forties thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When no, you were a that- kid. That's not a, that's not a '40s thing. That's from 1902, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Holy crap! Is yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, so it's cool. It, I think that stuff is cool, and I like that part of the movie when it gets into the cinema stuff and like the him burning his sets and the madness between uh, Georges um, Milies or whatever. That that stuff I like, but but again, it's like I don't know that kids would have liked that. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if you're the same. You're you're probably not the same way, but I'm. I've been one of those people for pretty much about everything. Pretty much music, right? Like literature, movies. I'm not someone who like really cares that much about like how it started you know what i mean like it's kind of interesting i guess um but even a movie like man people are gonna hate me for this but even a movie like (laughs) citizen kane or something i'm like i could just watch like i get that it was important at the time but i could just watch like the departed or something right now and have like way more of a thrilling time same thing with music like i could listen to uh you know freaking Woody Guthrie, or I could listen to, uh, hmm. 
Well, I, I mean, was going to say it's, Bob Dylan, but yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's taste. I think it's just your taste. Like, yeah, you know, like, uh, like I, you know, I went through a period of my life where you couldn't pay me a million dollars to sit down and watch a foreign film like with subtitles. And na- na- now it's mostly what I'm turning on, like on on my own, unprompted. You know what I mean? Like sometimes your tastes change. Sometimes you know you you want a certain vibe. When I was really depressed in college, I remember all I wanted to watch was um, like the Family Channel programming, like really mm. bad YA television shows because they were really easy to digest and they were the same thing every episode. <laughs> you know. Uh, so it, it kind of just, you know, I, I, who knows one day you might really be into old black and white thirties and forties cinema and want to watch Citizen Kane and, you know, it, it, just like, like your music tastes, Eric, are like, you know, you're, you're into some old shit. You like, you like some, listening to some freaking fish, dude, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, All the way back in the 1980s. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, and some people find that in like where they can't even deal with it. <laughs> they just do not want to listen to that type of music. But it's just, I, you know, for me, I, I, I like like my favorite era of film right now is the 70s. I just like really mm. like watching movies from the 70s uh, for whatever reason. I think the look. I really like the look of them. But you know, but usually that is when you get older like when you're when you're not a kid anymore when you're a kid you want freaking i you know paw patrol and mario and halo and like you know freaking pixar movies and stuff like that are really aimed at children and really good at capturing their imagination and keeping their attention and this um is is like it's interesting to like a very, I think a niche, a more niche audience. Um, uh, at least like what the movie's actually about. Like there is some cool stuff that happens in it and that's, you know, pretty exciting. But like, you know, like, uh, like seeing a film shot in Paris meant nothing to me until I was in my 30s. <laughs> and I actually mm. like cared about and wanted to go to Paris. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Just like a movie set in Paris, I I was like, uh, yeah, fine, I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> like until until I got older, and that meant something to me. Anyway, well, Jeremy, if you were to talk to some other people out there, they might call this movie a masterpiece. Specifically, James Cameron, after attending the screening, uh, a screening of the movie, he called it a masterpiece and told Scorsese. It was the best use of 3D he had seen, including his own movies. I guess I didn't take that into account when I was watching this. That, 3D. Uh, yeah, the 3D. Yeah. Although I maintain that a, a, mu- a movie that does 3D well is one that can be watched in 2D as well and <laughs> still be just as good. I don't know if... I think I would have liked this movie a lot more if I was watching it in 3D. And I don't really like 3D movies or wearing the glasses or any of that, but I do I do think yeah. I would have liked it a lot more. Um, this movie was a box office flop, um, as you could have maybe surmised, but a critical success. Critics love mm. this movie, and it was nominated for quite a few Academy Awards and won five Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, let's see here. Oh, Hugo gave Scorsese the opportunity to make reference to his passion for film and restoration. Uh, Scorsese is the founder and the chair of the Film Foundation, a nonprofit organization devoted to the preservation, restoration, and exhibition of classic cinema. Yeah, I think with this movie, you know how like kids' movies a lot of times will have like there's there's an angle like for the adults too or whatever. That the old film stuff is what that is in this movie. I think I don't necessarily know that like the nods to George Milies are for like a kid to pick up on maybe maybe they're there to like for the kid to appreciate it or whatever but i think it's more of a nod to the maybe the film heads that might be watching this movie because scorsese's got to be aware that like people that see his movies include you know everyone but also people who will just see every scorsese you know what i mean so i feel like he you know some of that stuff is for the film heads i think he's honestly really trying to like bring his love of classic turn of the century cinema to the next generation. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's trying to get kids interested and invested in this, in this story of this filmmaker who, because of the war, world war one was unable to, keep making films and you know it's kind of like this tragedy uh but he wanted to show them like look how cool and beautiful and fun uh making these films would have been you know you know what i mean like i think he's trying to get (laughs) kids into it um right yeah and who knows maybe it worked for a bunch of kids i i don't know but i mean I did see a bunch of Halloween co- costumes last year where kids were wearing the moon face with a <laughs> That's you know, right. can sticking out Little of the eye. Little kids, too, yeah. Four <laughs> yeah. or five years old. They were really into it. Yeah. Uh, 1931. I'm d- diving into the plot here. Uh, in 1931, <laughs> yeah, Paris, 12-year-old Hugo uh, Cabret lives with his widowed father, a clockmaker who works as, at a museum. Hugo's father finds a broken automaton, a mechanical man created to write with a pen. He and Hugo try to repair it, documenting their work in a notebook. When his father dies in a fire, Hugo goes to live with his father's alcoholic brother, Uncle Claude, who maintains the clocks at Guerra Montparnasse Nassi railway station. Um, Yeah, also, didn't mention this, Pretty heavy stuff for a kid's movie. You mean the the dad death? Yeah, I think this movie, like, just as a whole is, like, a little, like, uh, I don't know, glum or something. Yeah, I think it's kid's trying movie. to, um, I think it's trying to make, like, make a really happy, light presentation of something that I think you're right is, is very dark, like... This kid is an orphan. He has no family. He has no parents. His dad died in a violent fire. And the threat of the film is that Sasha Baron Cohen is going to throw him into the orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I mean, come on. That is grim stuff. You're absolutely right. But when you watch it, though, it doesn't feel that dark, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. Um, 
It was a little gr- a little like over the top though to have Sasha Baron Cohen at playing Bruno. In yeah, the movie. I know. I thought they and could have was, given him like a different character. And he was just pranking everyone on, you know, in the in the <laughs> film, which yeah. was just like really like irritating. You know, it's like I want to see the plot, not not this, uh, not not him doing his uh, Ali G stuff. I was at um, when I saw Bruno or not Bruno uh, Borat. It had come out in theaters, and I was in. Uh, I think I was a senior in high school. I was definitely in high school because I remember going with a bunch of people and it was like a 9 p.m. showing or something, right? Like it was one of the, a little bit later and it was a school night. And I remember one of the people we were with like left in the middle of it because he had to, it was his curfew or whatever. Oh, wow. Can you imagine like having, I would have just stayed out. Yeah, I would have taken the punishment or whatever. I would have just been like, all right, I'll be grounded. But why would you go to a movie knowing you're just going to see half of it? I don't know, man. You know when I mean? we were kids, though, we did weird stuff all the time. Yeah. Like, I would just go hang out at a Denny's with my friends for, like, oh, yeah. a hundred years. And you're just like, why would we do that? Yeah. Why well, you could we smoke cigarettes in them back then. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I do love those cigarettes. Mm. Um, One more movie theater story. My friend Prabhu and I... <clears throat> One time, I, when I worked at the movie theater, I could just bring friends to any movie for free. So I was just constantly bringing people in and out. And there's a movie called Kicking and Screaming starring yes. Mike Ditka and Will Ferrell. Right. <laughs> and it's not that funny of a movie, but there was a part in it that me and my friend found very funny. And we went back to see it the next day. And the first time, the, so the first time this joke came up, what one of us, I forget who, had like laughed so hard they spilled popcorn. So the next time we went, we <laughs> we uh, we we did that like intentionally. We like laughed really hard and like threw popcorn corn all over the place, and people were <laughs> just to like be funny. Great. And we proceeded to like keep going to that movie all the time, and we would stay and tell that joke. And people who were who didn't know who we were who we were would just see us laughing hysterically at this joke, throwing popcorn everywhere, and then we would just leave and never come back. Wow, that's great! Yeah. Incredibly stupid. I anyway. love kids doing stupid, absolutely heinous, terrible, stupid stuff. Yeah, just beating the crap out of people. <laughs> Uh, when Claude goes missing, Hugo continues maintaining the clocks, fearing that the station inspector named Gustav Daste will send him away if Claude's absence is discovered. Hugo attempts to repair the aut- automaton with stolen parts, believing it contains a message from his father, but the machine requires a heart-shaped key. Nirvana. <laughs> uh, anything? Wow. Got any thoughts on this stuff? I want get your thoughts on Sasha Baron Cohen in this I like him uh, in this I uh, it's it's it definitely like caught me off guard a little bit I didn't remember him being here but it's weird it's almost like a similar casting as not that the two are as funny as one another but it's almost as similar to how in bedtime stories uh what's his face was in it it was oh played a yeah. character uh, what's his name the British guy. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah, we all know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Russell Brand. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. 
What do you think of Sasha Baron Cohen in this movie? I think he's a good actor. I think this is a really over-the-top performance, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it kind of needs to be. But, like, everybody's not on the same... This is kind of a, a weird critique, and, and I feel free to disagree with me, uh, you, Eric, or listeners. But, like, I like I feel like th- certain people are, are in different movies. Like, Sasha Baron Cohen is, like, in a goofy, stupid movie. <laughs> And then, yeah. and then uh, Ben Kingsley's in a very serious drama. You right. know, like I don't know. It's just, it's just uh, he doesn't take me out of it. But I do, I I do think I do think his performance is pretty out there. And uh, you know, I get I, you know you know what I mean. Like I, it's 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 good. It's just like it's just like I don't know if it's consistent with everybody what everyone else is choosing to do. I hear um, you. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I, I I think I agree with you. Um, yeah, especially I mean I I don't think Ben Kingsley can do anything other than just be super <laughs> serious. He would be a great uh, Mr. Wilson in like a Dennis the Menace yeah. movies. Yeah, I also want to um, see, but I do want to see him try to be in a like the comedic driving force in a comedy. Like him and Jim Carrey should do a movie together. Yeah. Uh, Hugo is caught stealing parts from a toy store and the owner, George, uh, takes his notebook, threatening to destroy it. George's daughter, Isabel, suggests that Hugo confront George and demand it back. George proposes that Hugo work at his toy store as recompense. And after some time, he might return the notebook. Hugo accepts the and commences work. In addition to his job maintaining the clocks, Isabel and Hugo become fast friends, and Hugo is astonished to see she wears a heart-shaped key, Nirvana, given to her by George. (laughs) Uh, Hugo shows her the automaton, which they activate with the key. It draws a scene from the 1902 film A Trip to the Moon, once described to Hugo by his father. Isabel identifies the drawing's signature as part of George Millies, her godfather. She sneaks Hugo into her home, where they find a hidden cachet of drawings but they are discovered by George. Whew. Yeah, yeah. so, okay. This In this scene, George is, like, so upset that they were looking at his drawings. And I don't understand. Why, why was he so upset? Yeah, wouldn't he want people to uh, appreciate them? Well, I know he's, you know? like, a tortured artist who has given up that life, right? Sure. So he's probably hiding them away he doesn't want maybe he doesn't want people to see him but he reacts to these children in a way where he's like you are cruel he says <laughs> and it's just like i i don't know i i, I that that scene was just kind of like a little bit i was like huh why why is he so mad uh but you know we learn later I mean, we're about to read it, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get there. But like, we learned kind of why. But it's like, I felt like his reaction was just so. I don't know. It's weird, and he's talking to an orphan. Like, this is another thing: is like Hugo's an orphan. Like mm. Hugo, Hugo <laughs> and this poor kid is just having to deal with all these all these adults' like weird trauma and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> 
several days later, the Film Academy Library, at the Film Academy Library, Hugo and Isabel find a book about the history of cinema that praises Melies's contributions. They meet the book's author, Rene Tabard, a film expert who is surprised to hear Melies is alive as he disappeared after World War I, along with the copies of his films. Excited at the chance to meet Melies again, Rene uh, agrees to meet Isabel and Hugo at George's home to show his copy of A Trip to the Moon. Um, finding the heart-shaped key on the station railway tracks, Hugo drops down to the track to retrieve it and is run over by an out-of-control train that smashes through the station. Uh, he wakes up from the nightmare, but hears an ominous ticking emanating from himself and discovers he has been turned into the automaton. Hugo wakes up again. It was only another nightmare. <laughs> so this train sequence... Um, that really happened, apparently. I guess that entire phrase is highlighted in blue on Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Montparnasse derailment. Yeah, you can see the uh, you can see the picture of it. It looks identical to what they Golly. shot. Yeah. Huh. Pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, they recreated this for the film. So um. Pretty great. Uh. See, like this film has so much merit historically and like as just like a big budget curiosity. You know what I mean? Like there's there's mm. there's there's value here. I just wish I don't know, I wish this was like a rated R <laughs> movie with like <laughs> like a completely different tone, you know? Yeah. I hear you. Um Yeah, and I think I don't know, man. I just like I'm finding it hard to believe like kids would care about this that much. Um, yeah, like this maybe. historically accurate train crash. Like when they're seeing stuff like Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at George's home, his wife Jean allows them in after Renee recognizes her as Jean Darcy, an actress in many of Milias's films. They play the film, waking George, who is finally convinced to cherish his accomplishments rather than regret his lost dreams. George recounts that as a strange magician, he was fascinated by motion pictures and uses used film to create imaginative works through his star film company. Forced into bankruptcy after the war, he closes his studio and sold his films. Uh, he laments that even an automaton he built and donated as to a museum was lost. Hugo realizes it is the one he repaired. Do you think the automaton stuff is a real thing? Like, was this a real thing that he built back in the early 1900s? I don't think so. What, what a Maybe? weird thing to make up. <laughs> Because it's not like a it's not like a robot character. It's like a thing that does one thing. Right? Right. So maybe it did exist. I don't know. I'm gonna Google. Did the t automaton from Hugo exist? <laughs> you you probably just have to type in the word did and the rest will come up as the first <laughs> search result. <laughs> Uh, Hugo races to the station to retrieve the automaton, but is caught by Gustav, who has learned it of Claude's death. Gustav threatens to take Hugo to the orphanage. Hugo runs away and manages to evade Gustav by hiding on the outer face 
of the clock tower. Uh, precariously balancing hundreds of feet above the ground after climbing back down, Hugo races to escape the station but drops the automaton on the tracks. He jumps down to retrieve it and is almost run over by a train, uh, but Gustav saves him in the automaton. George later t- uh, arrives and tells uh, Gustav, this boy belongs to me. Ooh, woo. Oh, okay, so um, apparently, news update, the mm. automaton is uh, a real thing. Really? Um, yeah, so Brian Selznick, this is from the author, Brian Selznick. While I was researching the invention of Hugo Cabret, I discovered at th- that the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia owned a very old automaton. This is not the uh, one. Uh, this is not one of the machines that George Milius owned, but it was very much like the ones he had. I went to Philadelphia to visit the machine, found a pretty amazing history, and blah blah blah. blah. The rest is uh, I mean, you can read the whole article, but I guess it did exist. Interesting. They do exist. <laughs> <laughs> he does exist. Uh, sometime later, what if you walk down and you're like. Okay, it's Christmas Eve, you're a kid, you wake up, you're groggy, you go downstairs for a glass of milk, and you just see the two M&Ms and <laughs> Santa talking in your living room. I'll tell you this. Arguing about whether they exist. I'm eating one of them, and I hope it ain't Santa, because he probably tastes the worst. <laughs> you sick, sick dog. <laughs> Uh, sometime later, George is named a professor at the Film Academy and is paid tribute through a showcase of his films recovered by Rene. Hugo and his new family celebrate at the apartment, and Isabel begins to write down Hugo's own story. And uh, credits roll to Three Dog Night. <laughs> Tell me something good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, your first time watching Huggo. I gotta mm. imagine this is one of your favorite Scorsese's. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite, uh, it's one of my favorite least favorite. Hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. All right. Because I actually not, and there's nothing about this movie that's offensive at all. I'll say that. So, a couple things. The look of this movie, not in 3D, is a little problematic. It's a little troubling. It looks a little flat now when you watch it. Um, and a little co- digital, a little col- too colorful. Is there something going on that makes it look like an all uh, like a completely CGI green screen film, mm-hmm. um, which is not helping it feel more cinematic? Uh, the performances are fine. The story in general is pretty strange. Um, it reminds me of actually like a kids movie we would have gotten in like the late '80s and early '90s, where it was about like uncovering the mystery of the grandfather's locket or something, you know, where instead of like superheroes and, you know, a a colorful cast of animal characters come to life and talking like a lot of kids movies are, it's about like, it's a human story. That's also a kid's movie. Uh, So I appreciate it for that. uh, Definitely. I love the use of Sasha Baron Cohen as an actor and stuff. Like, even if I think his performance was a little over the top, I still like that he's in this movie. Um, and again, you got to applaud the effort. Like Scorsese making a kids movie. Um and a kids movie that James Cameron called a masterpiece. Like that wasn't easy to do and like this isn't his wheelhouse. So uh there's a little bit of a uh, what uh, forgiveness, you know, you can 
Mm. you can give it, I think. Um, but overall, like, I don't think I'd ever, I don't, I don't, just don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again. Like, I don't know if there's any reason other than doing a podcast where I'm going to talk about it. If there's any reason for me to really revisit Hugo. Um, well, Jeremy, is this this might be a bad time to bring up that September is Hugo month on the Patreon. <laughs> Hugh member. It's going to be a huge month here at Hugo Halloween. Um yeah. So, I'm going to give this film a Oof, What am I giving it? I'm giving it a 2. I don't know if I don't yeah, I'm giving it a 2. Two uh, out of four two, Chucky Freckles. Two out of four ain't bad. It's like dead in the middle. It's the Mean Street score. It's the Little Nicky score. It's the Mr. Deeds score. It's the Coon right. Dune score. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's 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 what I'm going to give Hugo. What about you, Eric? Well, uh, you know, when I watch a kid's movie, I try to watch it through the lens of a young Eric um, sitting there munching on popcorn. Uh, laying on my st- I watched the movie, the whole movie, laying on the carpet <laughs> on my belly with my head propped up in my hands. Yeah, and I was like wiggling my feet back and forth. You know, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. This is just one of those movies that uh, I feel like this movie actually is for me, even though it's it's a kids movie. I feel like as someone at this point who has seen all the Scorseses and liked most of them. I feel like he's what he's going for is kind of trying to make a movie for everyone. And I like George Milliez. There was a there was a point, there was a class I took in college where we learned about him and watched some of his stuff and I thought it was really cool. Um but I think you're right. I would like to see this done. I like the whole idea of this movie. I would like to see it done not as a kids movie. Um, I want to hear people saying swear words and uh, I want to see someone get cut with a knife and someone step on a rake and their <laughs> pants fall down. Um, no, I don't know. But but seriously, I, I think you're right. I think you're onto something with the whole, uh, you know, Hugo, but, you know, maybe not so much as a family or kids movie might be better. Um, I don't know. Also, the 3D thing is weird. I, you know, as cool as 3D is and was... I still think it's crazy how, like how many people embraced this like obvious gimmick that was going to sort of go away with time like so hard. I didn't watch this movie thinking like, "Oh, I bet this is supposed to be in 3D though," which I think is probably a good thing that I didn't have that realization, but uh it probably would have been like a little bit more um visually a little bit more uh interesting if maybe if it wasn't in 3D given the way that I watched it. I don't know. Who knows? But two out of four sounds good to me, so I'm going to do that as well. Um, it's a 50%, Jeremy. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Could be worse. So, you, could, you could have a Spanglish score of one. <laughs> yeah, man, Spanglish. Don't even remind me. Um, <laughs> I, You know, it just funny you should say that, because I was just looking up... Uh, the next installment in our Sandler series. So we just did Funny People. Grown Ups, my dude. We finally Grown got ups. to it. We're here. Um, Lenny Fetter. I feel like this is the uh, Bronze Age. We're about to hit the Bronze Age of Sandler, my guy. 
Or we're probably already in Bronze Age, actually. But, hmm. yeah. Is the Bronze Age good or bad? Well, you know, Golden Age might be the... I don't think it's a ranking of good or bad. I think Golden Age is, like, probably the best. And it's like his, like, the 90s Sandler is Golden Age. I think the Silver Age is the 2000s. And it really, it's just, it's about, like, you know, your gold, silver, bronze age is, like, just throughout time, you know? Mm, gotcha. So it's like, yeah, now, yeah. We're gonna we're about to enter the era of Sandler um, before the most recent era, the, the current era, which I would call the Phoenix era. Mm, rising okay. from the, the ash. <laughs> right. <laughs> the bronze ashes. The bronze, the ashes of a bronze metal. Well, you people all better watch Grown Ups for next episode because yes. you're not allowed to listen unless you do. I'll beat you um, up if you don't watch Grown Ups. Oh, yeah. We will personally... People don't know this, but uh, Apple Podcasts gives you the names of people who are subscribed mm-hmm. to your podcast but mm-hmm. don't listen to certain episodes. And they give you their addresses and their telephone numbers. And what scares them the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, Brian... Uh, afraid of bears. I guess that's not super odd. I was trying to think of something that like someone wouldn't be scared of, but so we're just anyway. gonna go watch, go to Brian's house and turn on Grizzly Man and hold exactly. him down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, great times. Uh, I'll see you. I'll, I'll catch. I'll catch up with you next week after we watch Grown Ups and uh, visit our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. Follow us on Twitter at HubieHalloween1 and Norma. I'll see you in my dreams.